We will be starting a new uh, sermon series today in the book of Jonah, and I'll be reading for you from Jonah 1, verses 1 through 3. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Amen. Well, this week we remembered the events of September 11th and what happened so many years ago to our country. And so uh, as we begin this morning, I want to ask you all, how do you feel about terrorists? What goes on in your heart when you see what terrorists do on the news on TV? What do you want to see done to those terrorists? My first experience with seeing terrorism on TV happened back in 1972 in the Summer Olympics in Munich in Germany. I was a young boy who loved sports, and today I'm just an older boy who still loves sports, and I enjoy watching them all of the time. But when I was a child, I really didn't watch the news. That really wasn't important to me. I didn't care about what was going on in the world, but I cared very much about what happened in sports. And so I was a, as a boy, I was shocked one day when I turned on the Olympics expecting to see the events. But instead, I heard news of 11 Israeli athletes being murdered and a German police officer as well. I didn't understand the politics of the Middle East, and so I could, all I could think to myself as I heard this news was why? Why would anyone want to kill these athletes? These people were my heroes. They were so good at sports like I wanted to be good at sports. But now these people were all dead. And so I suppose if you had asked my nine-year-old self, what should happen to these terrorists? I would have said something like this, something bad should happen to these bad people. They definitely don't deserve anything good. The book of Jonah in the Old Testament is a book about a prophet. The very first verse in the book lets you know that Jonah is a prophet of God. We read there in Jonah chapter 1 and verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. So over a hundred times in the Bible, we see a statement made like this, where God tells a prophet what to say to his people. But in verse 2, we see that God does something shocking. Instead of sending Jonah, the prophet, to God's chosen people of Israel, God instead sends Jonah to a bunch of terrorists. He says, Jonah, I want you to speak to these terrorists, those people from Nineveh, from the nation of Assyria. The Assyrians were one of the cruelest and most violent people of ancient days. The Assyrians tortured their enemies, dismembered them, and decapitated them. And after they had done all of this violence, they burned their cities completely to the ground. This was state-sponsored terrorism. So when the Jewish prophet Jonah is told by God to warn Israel's terrorist enemy that they needed to repent of their sin, what does Jonah do? He runs. He runs away from this assignment from God. He says, I'm not going to do that. 
This morning, I want to remind you from Jonah chapter 1 that all of us at times run from God. Obviously, this is not wise. So let's look at some ways that we run from God today so that we might not do so in the future. First of all, you run from God by doubting God's goodness. We can learn about why Jonah ran from God by looking at the only verse in the Old Testament about the prophet Jonah outside of this book. That is 2 Kings chapter 14 and verse 25. And so if you brought your Bible here today, and I hope you did, please turn to 2 Kings and chapter 14 and verse 25 and listen as I read that verse about Jonah. There we read in 2 Kings 14:25, he restored the border of Israel from Lebo Hamath as far as the Sea of the Arabah, according to the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, which he spoke by his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet who was from Gath, Hefer. Now that he, at the beginning of this verse, was the king of Israel at that time, who was King Jeroboam II. He reigned over Israel from 782 to 755 BC. This Jeroboam was not a good king. If you look at the previous verse in 2 Kings chapter 14 and verse 24, you see that Jeroboam did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And yet, in spite of his wickedness, God allowed him as king to expand the borders of Israel so that it grew as a nation through conquering in war. And who was the prophet who prophesied in favor of this expansion of Israel? Who was the prophet behind all of this? That would be Jonah, the son of Amittai. Jonah had supported Jeroboam's aggressive military policy to expand the nation's power and influence. Jonah then was an extremely patriotic Jew who loved the nation of Israel. And so God had a message for this patriotic Jew to go to Israel's worst enemies, to go to Israel's hated enemies, the Assyrians. He was to go to the Assyrians in the city of Nineveh, and this is God's mission for Jonah that we see in the very first two words of verse 2 of chapter 1. God tells Jonah, arise, go. So there is no doubt then about what God wanted Jonah to do, to go to Nineveh to announce the message he had for the Ninevites. Well, Jonah did arise and go, but where did he go according to verse 3? That verse says that, but Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. You see, Jonah was supposed to go east into Assyria, but Jonah went in the exact opposite direction. He went west into Tarshish, which most Bible scholars think is in modern-day Spain, which is the end of the world as far as the ancients were concerned. Now, why did Jonah run? Actually, I should ask, why did Jonah try to run away from God? God is omnipresent, so it is actually impossible to run away from God. Jonah, though, ran because he did not think that God was good. According to verse 2, God wanted Jonah to call out against Nineveh, for their evil had come up before God. God wanted Jonah to tell Nineveh, to repent, to turn away from their sin and come back to God. 
Now, what might happen if a prophet of God tells a people to repent? Well, they might just repent, right? That is, after all, the whole point of it. But in this case, it would be a group of terrorists who would be repenting. It would be Israel's worst enemies who would repent of their sin. And is this what the Israelite Jonah wanted? No. He did not want this at all. He wanted God to fry these people. He wanted God to push the nuclear button on these evil terrorists. And if he could have, Jonah would have pushed the button himself. So Jonah said to God, I'm out. I will not fulfill this assignment that you have given to me. The repenting of Nineveh would not be good for Israel. I have zero interest in helping my enemies. Because I doubt your goodness, God, in this whole affair, I am running away. How could you, God, ask me to betray my own country? You're going to have to find someone else to fulfill this assignment. Now, Jonah, of course, was not the first person in the Bible to doubt the goodness of God. Who would that be? Who was the very first person, the very first people who doubted God's goodness? That would be Adam and Eve. They doubted that God's command to not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was good for them. And so they sinned, and they brought great misery upon themselves and on us and on every other person who has ever lived. Now, I think that there are some Christians who want to look Adam and Eve up as soon as they get to heaven. And they want to approach them and give them a good punch in the nose. They want to say to them, do you realize how much damage you did to my life and to this world because of your sin? And they want God to look away for a minute so they can give a good clobbering to their ancestors. That's what they would like to do. But you know what I think that Adam and Eve were doing? When Satan tempted Adam and Eve to doubt the goodness of God, I am very certain that Adam and Eve did not say to themselves something like this. They did not say, hey, let's be evil. Let's do something really wrong. Let's ruin our lives and everybody else's lives too. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be fun? I don't think that's what Adam and Eve said. Instead, I believe that what they said was God, we just want to be happy. And following your command will not make us happy. We've got to take things then into our own hands. We've got to do what we want to do if we want to find happiness. We just can't trust you, God, to do what is good for us. Do you know who has also said words like this? I have. You have. Everyone who has ever sinned has said something like that. We say in our sin, God is not good. And then we put on our running shoes and we try to run away from God. Church, are you running today? Have you believed the lie that God is not good? Do you think that you know better than God? What will make you happy? 
If you are running away from God like Jonah did, come back to God today. He is waiting for you, and he is so good. He might not seem good in the moment of your pain and of your struggle, but if you trust in God and in his goodness, eventually you will see the goodness of God. So turn around, come back. God is good. Well, you run away from God not only by doubting his goodness, but also by doubting God's wisdom. Jonah had no intention of obeying God's command to go to Nineveh. He ran in the exact opposite direction of where he was supposed to go. He ran not just because he doubted God's goodness. He ran because he also doubted God's wisdom. God's plan probably did not seem to have much of a chance of success in Jonah's eyes. Jonah was supposed to tell a bunch of terrorists to repent. Yeah, like that's going to happen. And so Jonah was thinking to himself, God, don't you know how wicked these people are? Don't you think it's ridiculous for me to tell them to turn from their wickedness? Jonah must have felt like a 20th century Jewish prophet would have felt if he had been told to go to Adolf Hitler and tell him to repent of his crimes against the Jews. The chances would have, of repentance would have been seen as slim to none. And the chances, Jonah thought, of me being killed in fulfilling this assignment would have been very, very high. And so Jonah probably thought to himself, I thought God was smarter than this. I thought God knew better than to give an assignment like this. God's plan did not seem to make much practical sense to Jonah. It also did not seem to make much theological sense to Jonah. After all, did not God's prophet Nahum prophesy several years before Jonah that God was going to judge Nineveh? The whole book of Nahum in the Bible is a prophecy of doom and gloom and God's judgment, his coming wrath upon the city of Nineveh. Now there's a prophecy that made sense to Jonah. It made sense to Jonah for God to send destruction on Nineveh. Nineveh was filled with terrorists and with evil. They should be judged by God. On the other hand, Israel was God's chosen people. So Israel should be protected then from all of their enemies, from wicked enemies like Nineveh. But if Jonah's prophecy to Nineveh somehow, by some miracle, actually caused the Ninevites to repent, wouldn't that destroy God's promises to protect Israel? And wouldn't that also make Nahum a false prophet? How much sense did that make? What could justify, then, God giving this assignment to Jonah? Jonah could not see God's wisdom in this a prophecy at all. And so Jonah decided, I better run. I better get away because I think this is foolish what God is having me do. Back in the days when I knew it all, when I was a teenager, 
I could not understand my father. Every year in the late summer and in the fall, he would take out his chainsaw and he would cut down some of the dead trees on our property and he would cut up all the trees in the woods that had fallen during the previous months. And then me and my brothers would get out some wheelbarrows and we would take all of the wood that my dad would cut up and we'd bring it into our garage and stack the wood. And all through the late fall and into the winter and into the early spring, every day we would take that wood in the garage and we would bring it into our house and stack it next to our wood stove. And every day also we would need to clean up the mess left by the wood and the wood chips. And we would also need to clean up the ashes that, were, that came with burning all of this wood. And so it was all an incredible amount of work. And so there were days when I was extremely tempted to say to my father, you know, Dad, there is this marvelous invention that is hanging on the wall in our living room. That invention is called a thermostat. You just turn the knob and boom, heat comes on. It's great. We should try it sometime. Why don't we just use the thermostat instead of you treating your family like a bunch of lumberjacks? But then years later, I had an epiphany of some sort. It was right after I had bought my first house and I had received my first oil bill. I looked at the price of the oil on the bill and I said one very profound word. Oh, as in, oh, so that's why my dad made us do all of that work to bring wood into our house. My father seemed a whole lot wiser to me on that day. The prophet Jonah could not see any good reason for God to call him to go to Nineveh, to tell the nation of Nineveh to repent. So what was Jonah's conclusion? His conclusion was that God didn't have a good reason. There couldn't be any because Jonah could not think of one. Have you ever doubted the wisdom of God like Jonah did? Have you ever said to yourself, if there is a God, it sure looks to me like he doesn't know what he is doing. If you are doubting the wisdom of God today, I would encourage you to make a decision. The decision you have to make today is this. Does God know what is best? Or do I know what is best? Has God interrupted my plans for my life for a good reason or for no reason at all? Has God given me this pain and suffering in my life for some good purpose? Or is God just completely clueless? Is there some point in this command that God has given me to obey? Or is God just trying to mess with my life and make me unhappy? Here's the thing. If you look at your life without the aid of the Holy Spirit, do you know what your decision is always going to be? You will always decide that if you can't think of a good reason for a command of God, and there can't be a good reason. Church, don't doubt the wisdom of God. God knows what he is doing. 
He, in fact, is all-wise in all of his plans for our lives and for this world. So if you've been running from God because you, you doubt the wisdom of God, come back. You can trust his plan because you can trust in his wisdom and you can trust his heart for you. Finally, you run from God by doubting the justice of God. There are two attributes of God that people struggle to hold together in their minds. The first attribute is that God is love. But then the second attribute is that God is just. Now, what is the attribute of God that most people in America will speak about? What do they know is true of God? God is what? God is love. And so when I sin, I can count on God to forgive me because God is a merciful God. He's a God of love. That's who he is. And that is 100% correct. But here's the question. When people sin against us, what do we want God to be in that moment? We want God to be just, don't we? We want him to be just in punishing the sins of others against us. And so Jonah wanted God to punish the terrorists of Nineveh for their wickedness and for their violence against Israel. He wanted to see the justice of God in action, just like in a movie. We want to see the bad guys punished. That's what we desire. And so in commanding Jonah to preach a message of repentance to Nineveh, God was revealing to Jonah God's incredible mercy for sinners. God has mercy even for terrorists. Hard to believe, isn't it? But that's who God is. He has mercy even for those who are terrorists. Yes, God is just, but God is also merciful. And Jonah could not handle God's love and his mercy for the people of Nineveh. And so in Jonah chapter 1 and verse 3, we read that Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. The original readers of the book of Jonah must have been shocked when they read this verse. Here is a prophet of God emphatically stating his unwillingness to serve God. Here is someone whose whole life is supposed to be dedicated to serving the Lord, living in open rebellion against that Lord. And Jonah revealed his rebellion by running away. He ran because he doubted that God is just. In the Gospel of Luke in chapter 15, Jesus told a story that there are two different ways that we run from God. The prophet Jonah will run away from God in both of these ways. We will see that in this book. The story that Jesus told in Luke 15 is a familiar story called the story of the prodigal son. The prodigal son, the younger brother in the story, runs away from his father who represents God by living an immoral and an irreligious life. As you read the story, you see the prodigal son had broken just about all of the Ten Commandments. And so what he did 
is he literally and figuratively ran away from his father. But at the end of the story, the younger son comes back home. He comes back home, he comes to his senses, and he returns to his father. And at the end of the story, we also hear Jesus speak about an older brother in the story. This older brother had not run away from his father. He had stayed. He was a good religious person. He had obeyed all of his father's commands. But his heart was very far away from his father. He felt like he always deserved better from his father. He felt like God owed him something. In short, like Jonah, the older brother felt like God was not treating him justly. So even though he lived in the same house with his father, his heart was a million miles away from his dad. The older brother had also run away from God. He did not trust that his father God really loved him. Some of you who are here today are running from God. Some of you are running from God by living an openly rebellious life against God and all of his commands. This is Jonah in Jonah chapter 1 that we have read today. But later in the book of Jonah, in Jonah chapter 3, we will see Jonah running like the older brother ran away from God. Jonah eventually obeys God. He eventually does go to Nineveh. He brings the message of repentance to the people. He does that. He does tell the terrorists to repent. Jonah, though, does not think that God is just and fair in giving the Ninevites a chance to repent of their sin. He doesn't think that's right. And so Jonah says, I've done everything that God has asked me to do. I've played by the rules. I've done everything that God wants me to do. But God has just not come through for me or for my nation. So both of these runners from God that are exemplified by Jonah have something in common. People who run from God don't think that they can trust that God is committed to their good. They have to run from God in order to get what is best for them because God will obviously not give them what they know is best. So if you are running from God today like Jonah did, how can you go home? How can you go home like the prodigal son did? You go home by going to the cross. It's at the cross where the love of Jesus and the justice of Jesus meet. If you are running from God in open rebellion like Jonah did in chapter 1, you go home by seeing the mercy of God at the cross. Jesus died to forgive you of your sin and your rebellion. You don't have to doubt God's goodness anymore. His goodness is seen in his willingness to forgive you of all of your sin. And if you are running from God today by doubting God's justice, you can go home by seeing God's justice poured out at the cross. At the cross, every sin that has ever been committed was punished. 
And if you are an older brother who is running away from God today, doing good church things, going to church, but far in your heart from God, I want you to look closely at the sins that were punished at the cross. Those sins include the sins of Jonah, as well as your sins, sins of pride and anger and self-righteousness. It's not just the terrorists that are sinners. You too are a sinner who desperately needs the mercy and the forgiveness of God. The good news of the gospel is that through Christ's death on the cross for our sins, such mercy is available to each one of us who is running from God. Let's pray together. God, how grateful we are that you are a merciful God. How grateful we are that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sin so that we might be forgiven. Some of us, Lord, have been running from you in open rebellion. I pray that such people would come back to you today. And some of us might appear to be people who are close to you. We might appear to be good people who are obeying all of your commands, but our hearts are far from you. We do not love you as we ought. Instead, we are living in rebellion against you. And so I pray for each one here today to stop running. I pray that each one will recognize the goodness of God, the wisdom of God, and the justice of God, and so come back to you. In your great name we pray, amen.